Welcome to episode 265 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door, and they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild-caught. Their beef is 100% grass-fed and 100% grass-finished. Their chicken is free-range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 265 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I am here with somebody very, very special Friends, I have been so excited about this episode for so long. So you guys know on the podcast, we have been fans of a supplement called Serpeptase for quite a while. And a lot of you are probably familiar with it now, but I actually recently in winter of 2021 launched my own supplement brand, Avalon X. And the first supplement was Serpeptase. And you guys were so, so excited. It's done so well. 
And I learned so much in that process about the world of supplements, how they're made, how they're created, what you need to be looking for with brands and ingredients. And I have learned so much. I've been getting so many questions from listeners. So I thought it would be very, very appropriate and welcome to bring on my fantastic partner who made the entire Avalon X product line a possibility. I would not be here today if it were not for this incredible man, this human being who has become one of my dearest friends of all time. I am here with Scott Immons. He is the co-founder and chief operating officer, COO of MD Logic Supplements. And we've been looking forward to this episode for so long to tell our stories about how we met up and started the whole process of creating the Avalon X supplement line. And yeah, just actually just having an educational episode as well on the supplement industry and what you need to be looking for when taking supplements. There's so many things that I'm excited to tackle. And Scott, thank you so much for being here. Melanie, thank you so much. And we do have quite the story to tell about this journey that we've both been on together. I'm thrilled to be on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. This is I've been listening to you for quite some time now, and it's quite a privilege to be a guest on the show. Yeah, this is a really surreal moment. I'm just taking it in right now because I remember, well, <laughs> Scott and I have a debate about <laughs> in the beginning who who reached out to who and who rescheduled on who because Scott insists that I rescheduled on him multiple times and was pushing him off to talk to him in the beginning. I'm sticking with that story. But just going back to the beginning, it's really surreal from that moment that we first connected to where we are now. Because I know, regardless of the details of how it happened, we did have a phone call to meet each other many, many months ago, about a year ago now, right? Yeah, it was almost a year to the day. It was just about a year. Yeah, that's crazy. We had a phone call. So basically, Scott reached out to me. Again, we debate the, how this actually went down, but he reached out to me to talk about his MD Logic line and just the potential for synergy there. We weren't quite sure in what capacity, but I had been wanting to potentially create a supplement line and potentially make a serapeptase. And when we had our first call, we just connected on so many levels. I think we literally talked about the role of enteric coatings and supplements for probably 45 minutes. And I think that's when we knew that (laughs) there was something here. So I'm going to stop talking though. Scott, would you like to tell listeners a little bit about your personal story? Because you do have a history in the pharmaceutical industry prior to your work at MD Logic. So what's your background? What's your story? How did you come to MD Logic? Why are you and I working together now? Just all the things. Yeah, so I'd love to 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 tell my side of the of how we met. Actually, I think it was you that either responded quickly or maybe liked something I sent your way, and it was near infrared and my DYI infrared sauna. So I had put that on Instagram. I think I just either copied you or sent you. Scott, I don't think that happened. It did. You totally loved my my DYI. Infrared sauna. Okay, maybe. I think maybe you DM'd me it and maybe I liked the DM. Is that a possibility? That's very, you know what? That's very possible. That's more, that's probably more likely. So we, uh, we did come to, I said, I'd love to catch up with you and, and, you know, discuss how we could partner together. And you said, that sounds good. We'll be in touch. And then we set up a date and then you rescheduled. And then we set up a date 
and then you rescheduled. And then I thought, well, if the third one doesn't happen, this is probably not going to happen. And then we we ultimately did connect by phone. And you're right. I mean, it was I'm it was supposed to be a, I think a 30 minute exploratory phone call, and we've spent like two hours on the phone just talking about the geekiest stuff you can possibly talk about when it comes to supplements and science and biohacking. And uh, it was a great conversation. I knew immediately that we'd, uh, we'd end up working together from, from that moment. I was, I was excited. So to answer your question a little bit about my background for you and for your audience. So I did start uh, my career in pharmaceuticals. I spent a good 20 plus years in the biotech pharmaceutical space. And it ranged from, you know, your mundane sort of blood pressure medications all the way to orphan drugs and rare disease medications. So orphan drugs are drugs that are for diseases. They're really made for orphan diseases. And those are diseases that are defined as, I believe it's less than 20,000 patients. I have to, you have to double check me on the number. But if you have a drug that's in the orphan or rare disease space, orphan being the most rare, then the FDA gives that usually fast track approval. And typically they're going to give you a voucher to get your product to market sooner. And the reason that they do that is if it's a disease that's quote unquote an orphan disease and there's only 20,000 patients that have it, well, there's not a lot of impetus or motivation from a pharmaceutical company to take the time and energy to find the population, to conduct the study, and then to make the, a drug that's reasonably priced enough that's not going to break the bank of those 20,000 patients, but these people need help and support. So the FDA gives special timelines and a different, slightly different review process for orphan drugs. It really just allows them to get to market much faster and for less capital upfront. Last night, I was listening to Peter Tia, one of his Q&A episodes on drug trials, and he was talking about how phase one of the drug trial is testing only for toxicity basically. So in that situation, do they even fast track that? Because not to be morbid, but there's like less chance of hurting people. No, you're still going to have to do all of your toxicity studies, right? And you're going to have to do all of the basic toxicity studies and metabolite studies. And you're going to have to do all the essential things to make sure the product is uh, is essentially safe and and effective, right? However, where, where there are some differences is, for example, the size of the trial. So for like a, a cholesterol medication, you might need to do five to 7,000 patients. But for an orphan drug, you might only need to study, let's say two studies of 100 patients per study. Because it's so difficult to find those patients and enroll them, you're not going to be able to do that with you know 5,000 people if there's only 20,000 people. So where, where you see the, the speed pickup is in the number of patients that are in the trial, it's going to be a much smaller trial. And then the FDA expedites the review of that product. The other thing that can happen is in the regulatory decision where the FDA has to make a decision on this drug for said orphan disease, they might be more inclined to approve it, even if it has some known side effects, because there's not nothing else or there's the other products on the market also cause side effects. and They're not very effective. So you get you might get a little bit more sort of leniency in an orphan drug or a disease state that's very serious, but just really doesn't have any effective treatments. Okay. That's what I think I was getting at, the leniency. That would make sense. Yeah. So when when the FDA board votes, right, they'll they'll take everything into consideration, risk, benefit ratio. And when you're looking at an orphan disease, 
obviously the benefit to risk ratio is going to that it's going to bump up a little because you've got so few patients that are really really sick because typically these orphan diseases you know out, the outcome is a lot of morbidity and mortality and it, it's rather quick so often they're going to kind of give the benefit benefit of the doubt to get that product to market what they'll do if the product let's say has some side effects they're pretty concerned about they might do what's called like an ex, like an extension trial and i think it's called lems as i think the uh, the acronym and that's basically a post marketing tracking of every prescription written to every patient that gets that drug and then you track everything that happens with that patient for a period of 2 to 3 years to make sure that those concerns you might have had don't show up in the in a larger population or or in a more significant way. Okay, so back to back to your story. So I spent a lot of time in the biotech industry, but my mother was an early influence on me. She was a little bit of a hippie in the day in the 70s. So everything was organically made, everything was made homemade. For Easter, I literally got sesame sticks, like that was my Easter candy. <laughs> my uh, treat would might be some grapes would be my, my treat. I didn't know what a cookie was or like a, a ring ding until I went to kindergarten and I tasted another kid's lunch and I was like, what is that spectacular thing you're eating? So I was kind of, uh, kind of grew up in this sort of health environment, you know, and then in sixth through maybe 10th grade, I ate a lot of junk food as most kids that, you know, that age do, but I did notice I, I didn't feel as good. And I started playing sports and I started wrestling and I really wanted to kind of get healthy again. So that's when I got back into how am I going to keep my performance as a wrestler in, in peak performance? And this was sort of the, you know, the eighties, nineties. So I'm dating myself a tad, but that's, you know, muscular development. What was the other magazine that was out of the time? Iron Man, something or other. And I don't even know if men's fitness was out at that point. So I really started to dig into that. And then I started to dig into some biology books and just felt like this was what I wanted to do. I loved understanding how the human body worked. I loved enhancing the, the optimization of my own personal physical performance. And I just love science. It was sort of my thing. I, you know, I love, as you know, all things sci-fi, including Star Trek. So when I went to college, I became an environmental science major. I was kind of digging that. But I got more and more into weightlifting, which then turned into bodybuilding. Now, bodybuilding is probably one of the greatest ways to self-learn biohacking, but I don't recommend it. It's, it's not exactly the healthiest sport that there is on earth, but you do learn exactly how your body feels. You know, like you get to the point where when you're bodybuilding, you've got to get down to 4% body fat. You've got to keep your muscle mass going and you know, I was a natural bodybuilder, not doing steroids. So for me, I had to work a little harder. I had to know the nutrition a little better. I had to really make sure that what I was doing was working because I was going up against these guys that I knew were, you know, doing other testosterone therapies, we'll call it. And so I really wanted to continue on that path. And so I switched majors at that point to become a biology major with the intention of going to sports, going into sports medicine as a physician assistant. And so that was kind of the path. And while I was doing my physician assistant rotation in the hospital, these pharmaceutical people were coming into the hospital to talk to doctors. Well, a few folks started talking about it. A couple of managers met me. And the next thing I know, I was getting sort of recruited slash drafted into the pharmaceutical industry. 
found myself with a really well-paying job and I really enjoyed teaching the science and helping, you know, kind of spread the message about education, about how to prevent diabetes or whatever the disease I was working on at the time, prevent hypertension, and then, uh, you know, explaining to the, to the physicians where our drug was appropriate, where it wasn't appropriate. And it was a, it was a really good career and I really enjoyed that for a long time. Ultimately, though, I started my own biotech company. That worked out really well. We sold that in 2020. And then my passion, which has always been, you know, optimizing human health and longevity, I had an opportunity to begin building this wellness company with one of the other partners from my biotech company. And we decided to do that in February of 2020, literally one month before the pandemic. So a few thoughts to that. First of all, I mean, I... I know your story and I've gotten to know you so well over the past year, but just hearing your story again now just iterates to me how perfect of a partner you are because you really, I mean, you have the background and the experience and all the things like you just talked about. So you have the health and wellness background from growing up and then realizing the importance of nutrition, the bodybuilding world, which is such a world, I think, for understanding, again, like you said how things really do affect your body and including things like supplements. Then you have the pharmaceutical background and then ultimately MD Logic. Can you talk a little bit more about MD Logic and also because so MD Logic already existed prior to 2020. So what brought you to that company and what is their current goals? What do you guys do? That's a great question. So MD Logic was started in 2005 by a group of physicians who were really struggling at that point. There were there were a number of physician-only brands, but not nearly as many as there are today. And they didn't feel like they were getting the exact products that they wanted. So they created MD Logic and worked with our manufacturer to design and, and make their line of products. They didn't want them to be, you know, private labeled with their their physician individual physician names on it. They wanted it to be like a brand of products that physicians could trust and go to. So they created that brand in 2005, and and it ran until again until 2020. What made us decide to take on MD Logic was it just really happened organically. So my partner Wes and I both are big tennis buffs. We love playing tennis, and we would talk about strategy and talk about you know playing tennis. And one day Wes just kind of got into the topic of well, what do you do like for, you know, maintenance of health and how do you keep your joints, you know, in shape? Because, you know, Wes is about my age. I'm 51 years old. So at that age, and these things are important. And so I started telling him, oh, actually, I'm really into the supplement world and the biohacking world. Here's some things like, you know, I can give you some guidance on. So I started giving Wes some tips on, you know, what he might want to take before tennis in terms of a pre-workout mix, what he might want to take post-workout, how to avoid, you know, he was getting some cramps in his legs things like that. And we kind of just had these informal discussions. And then as we got closer to selling our biotech company, the opportunity to buy MD Logic came along because the owner of the brand had moved. The other physicians are only two, two or three physicians still sort of actively using it at that point. And so we had an opportunity to purchase it. And we said, you know what, this looks like a really good brand. We have we know the manufacturer, and we know that they're going to continue to support the product. We know that they have, you know, the highest standards of quality. They test the products before they the every ingredient is tested before it even comes in for purity, for pot for potency, for toxic metals, 
mold, and then its composition to make sure it is what they say it is. So every, every single ingredient is tested before it even walks in the door. And then all those products that are made are retested again to make sure that they have that same purity, that same potency, that they have all the things that we said that they were going to have in them, and they pass all of the compliance tests as well. So we knew the quality of the company. We knew a few of the positions. We interviewed with them. They raved about the brand. They raved about the products. They just felt like it needed some tender loving care. And so having been in the biotech industry and being a supplement buff, Wes also, you know, liked supplements. He was into health. We just said, let's, you know, pool our money together and bring in some investors and start this company. And so that's what we did. We bought MD Logic, the brand, and then turned it into a company in 2020. Well, Congrats on that, by the way. So a few things I wanted to touch on. One was, I just want to tell the listeners, when Scott says that he's into the biohacking stuff, I mean, he really is into the biohacking stuff. That's been one of the most amazing things about our relationship as well, is we can just geek out on all of the biohacking things for so long. And you know, you listen to all of the stuff I listen to and are really interested in all the different dietary and lifestyle approaches. So it's been really, really wonderful. So I'm glad you brought up the purity and the potency and the testing and all of that because there's two there's two really big topics that I definitely want to tackle in today's episode and one is the actual supplement industry itself and you know what's going into that what to look for and then also the huge topic of what supplements people actually need to take or should be taking or might want to take and as a teaser I do have a lot of questions from listeners so I'll be weaving those in as well so I was debating which avenue to go first but maybe since you did touch on that purity that potency that testing so stepping back a little supplements in general because you know there's pharmaceuticals that require a prescription from a doctor then there's this whole supplement world where people can get supplements on the shelves at the store they can get them online like they're very easily accessible and at least from my understanding, there seems to be very little regulation. So here's the first question. I think supplements can seem more credible if they're on a store shelf, but what does that even mean? So like, are all supplements safe to take? What are your thoughts on where we get our supplements from? What should we be looking for in supplements? So yeah, so there's there's a, there's a lot of different questions and a lot of nuance to to what you're asking. And I think everyone has those questions. Everyone wonders like, uh, is this brand, this generic brand from, you know, drugstore A, is this a good brand? You know, is this stuff from large, you know, shipping company, is, is this a good supplement? And the brand itself may very well be a good brand. But the issue with them going and being sort of sitting in other warehouses or sitting in third-party warehouses where the brand have no control over what's going on, it could, you know, accelerate the degradation of that product. So, yes, I think people tend to think when they see it on a shelf that it might have a higher quality. In point in fact, though, it, it might just be easy to take those products and put them on the shelf because they can manufacture them in huge bulk for very little cost, and they're using ingredients that aren't necessarily the best forms of ingredients. So for example, you and I will talk more about this, I'm sure, have been working on a magnesium and what are all the right forms you want. And we've discovered there's, you know, somewhere between 12 and 16 different magnesiums, depending on how you want to define which ones are, you know, quote unquote, allowed in the US, which ones are 
under patent, et cetera. But there's, there's no less than 12 uh, forms of magnesium. And we know that magnesium oxide, for example, while it contains a high amount of elemental magnesium, your body only absorbs about 5% of it. So it's not a very good magnesium by itself to replace low dietary magnesium. So just because something's on a shelf or at a store or even at a high-end store, a lot of times those products are just third-party manufactured for that high-end store by another manufacturer. And since you don't have visibility into who that manufacturer is, it, you, don't, you don't necessarily know if it's good. The things to look for, which I think a lot of folks know are, and the most important is, you know, United States manufactured, meaning assembled. Now, they're going to get ingredients from all over the world. You're going to source ingredients from all over the world, but you want it manufactured in the United States so that you know it's done under certain stringent guidelines. And those stringent guidelines are the same ones that the FDA has for prescription drugs, and that's called GMP or good manufacturing process. So most people don't recognize that if you have GMP, it's not just a certification that you get once. If you're a GMP certified manufacturing facility for supplements, you are under the FDA's purview all of the time. So just part of their natural way that they do business, if you're a GMP facility, is they're going to come to your facility every year, sometimes two or more often if they suspect something is going wrong. But they'll be there at least, you know, every year. Sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes they announce it and they come in and they look for, you know, various things you're not doing correctly to the GMP process. So, for example, one of the things that they want you to do is isolate ingredients so that they're not, you're not getting cross-contamination. So if they were to come into a facility and see two ingredients that were kind of crisscrossing or touching one another, that, that might be a, you know, a note in their, in their findings. And then you can get various degrees of warning letters that will either create them to want to be in your facility more often. They'll ask for a written, you know, how are you going to resolve this? So that's, that's the GMP manufacturing portion. And the FDA does inspect all of the GMP certified facilities and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And that's why that GMP certification is so important. So if you don't see that on your bottle or it's not clearly clear, then you probably don't want to go with that company. Wow, I learned so much just now. I didn't realize all of that nuance behind that certification. I learned a lot. This is very helpful. Does that certification include the testing for purity and potency and toxicity as well? Yes. So in order for the products to be considered safe for human consumption, you've got to do you know, a baseline of certifications. Now, if you get a C of A from the vendor... Some companies would take that that C of A from the vendor and say, okay, this is cl this is clean because we have the C of A vendor and kind of put it onto the vendor, meaning the, the person who so sold you the raw ingredient. The problem with doing it just that way, though, is A, you're, you're not really following the spirit of the, the law of, of GMP, meaning you, you've tested it. And B, there are companies that will sell, you know, active ingredient that maybe is a little old. Maybe it's supposed to be 80% 80, 80 pure, but it's only 75% pure, so it's not quite meeting specs, and they'll try and discount it, and there are some shops that will purchase that stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with it as long as they don't, it doesn't go bad, or they, and they disclose that, they've, that their percentage is lower, but if they don't test it, how would they know, right? So you, it's really important that every company test their active ingredient or the raw ingredient that comes in 
for the potency of that product, the purity of that product, and then to make sure that that product is free of toxins and molds and heavy metals. And finally, that the product that you've gotten is in fact the product that you you said. Meaning I asked for, you know, astragalus and I got astragalus or I asked for astragalus and it's 60% astragalus and it's 30%, you know, just cellulose. Speaking to that, there are some pretty shocking studies where they do just that. They look at different brands and see if they actually contain what they say they contain. And it's just not like, did you see that study on the melatonin? I did not, but it's interesting you bring that up. A mutual friend of ours who just tried the MD Logic melatonin, she said she took three because she always takes three of her brand. And she said it knocked her out because, and I, and she said, I don't think that the brand I'm taking actually has six milligrams. It says six milligrams, but I was taking three and I was fine in the morning. I took three of yours, which are five milligrams. And I was so tired in the morning. She said, clearly they weren't six milligrams. So I'm curious to hear this, this melatonin story or study, I should say. Yeah, I haven't read it in a while, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it basically just looked at these different melatonin supplements from multiple brands, and it, it was all over the place as far as if it actually contained what it said. I mean, it was pretty scary. Yeah that 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 doesn't totally that doesn't totally shock me, especially with melatonin, because I have had some interesting experiences with melatonin as well, much like our friend, but. And I think that's why it's so important, again, to, if, if you're following GMP all the way and then you're going that extra level. Like, So, for example, we don't just test the ingredients as they come in. We then batch test, meaning we randomly pull bottles off of the assembly line and then test those bottles and the product in it to say, okay, we said there's five milligrams of melatonin in every capsule. Is there five milligrams of melatonin in every capsule? Or with a multi-ingredient you know, ingredient like our Immunologic, which has seven, I think it's 14 different ingredients. You've got zinc, quercetin, vitamin D, vitamin C, stragalus, selenium. So we have to then take those and individually test a few of those bottles coming off the shelves as the batches are going through to say, does it have 10 milligrams of, of selenium or does it have the 15 milligrams of zinc that we said? And so it's not just that we're testing the ingredients as they're coming in, we make sure that once the final product is done, that the final product also passes all of those same tests. And the additional test is, does it have the milligrams that, of each ingredient that we said it has? And if it, if it doesn't, then it just, gets, it just gets thrown away and we either check the batch or that's a, you know, that might be a bad bottle. Maybe it's a one-off or you just make an entire new batch. We're not going to send something out that does not have what we say is in it. Something else that this made me think of, and it's something you and I have talked about a lot because you're talking about testing for the toxins and the mold and things like that, because we've been working on formulating a berberine, for example, and it was really important to me to get a, a USDA organic berberine. But then the more we are talking about it, the more I was realizing that say you don't use a, an organic berberine. If you yourself are doing all of that testing to ascertain if there are toxins or not, it's almost like not that the USA organic label isn't important, but I can see how it would be possible that you could have a non-organic supplement tested that would be, quote, safer than an organic supplement that wasn't tested. Thoughts? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I think it's just like when we say natural flavors versus artificial flavors. You know, you could have a natural product or a natural 
flavor that's just that has just as many sort of downsides or more than something that is artificial. So there is some truth to that. And, and to your point, because you're testing for the purity of that ingredient, you're testing for the to- heavy metals and the toxins in that ingredient, you're likely going to, to your point, mitigate the risk of it's quote unquote, it's not organic. Now, it's always better if you can, not always, it's mostly better if you can start with organic because then you are likely to have less toxins. And then there are some things that are just really difficult to detect like pesticides and you know what to what level are the pesticides in there. Those are tests that are not necessarily as easy to complete with every single ingredient. So if it's organic, you're a little more confident that it's not covered in some sort of pesticide. Okay, 100%. So another question from that. So that said, we're testing the actual ingredients for toxicity and mold and issues and heavy metals. But there are all of these other ingredients that are very, very common in supplements, GMP certified supplements as well, but might actually pose an issue. And I've learned so much about this with our own formulation for the serapeptase and our future supplements why are there these other ingredients in the first place? Jessica says, how can I better understand what the other ingredients in a supplement may be doing to my body? So what are these other ingredients? Are they necessarily safe? Why are they there? Other ingredients. And for listeners, I mean, maybe this is being too over-clarifying, but it's like if you look at the supplement bottle, you see the the actual supplement that you're buying it for the active ingredient, but then there's this other ingredient list and it often includes these other things. So what are those and should we be concerned about them? So before I get into what those are, because I think your listeners are going to learn something about what the purpose is, right? They might know what those things are. They might've heard of magnesium stearate or casopomate, but what is the purpose and, and why do we, why, do, why are they used, right? So I want to, but I want to take one quick step back because earlier you had said, you know, there's not a lot of FDA supervision on, on the supplement companies. And I, I would say, actually, the FDA does a really good job of monitoring claims of companies that are making claims about their supplements. They do a, a good job on the, on the companies that are GMP certified of making sure that they're following the good manufacturing processes to prevent contamination, to prevent sort of uh, any kind of toxins from getting in there, to make sure that all of the processes are being you know, followed so that the ingredients are correct. So they do a pretty good job of that. And they do a really good job of, of watching what people are, you know, putting claims on. So there is a good bit of scrutiny from the FDA on supplements. I think where the public perception comes in is what you were talking about earlier, that sometimes the ingredients are just not to the level that they say they're a little bit too much, a little bit too little. But interestingly enough, that can actually happen with prescription drugs. So like a generic drug can actually have a variance of 10%, meaning it could be 90. If, you, if they say it's got 1,000 milligrams in it, maybe it only has 900, maybe it has 1,100. So there are variances. Even within prescription drugs, they, they allow for a slight variance within that, that spectrum. So what might happen is these companies are just taking that variance a little too far, right? But there is a good oversight. So I just want to be clear that there's a good oversight. And I think the majority of companies try to do the right thing, especially in in today's climate and with a a lot of the quality companies that are out there. But there are a lot of folks that are just either 
trying too hard to get their product to market and maybe taking advantage of that that sort of 10% on either side. That's a good clarity. Really quick question. The 10%, is it 10% across the board or is it adjusted for, you know, if you have a supplement where the effective dose is a very narrow range, like the 10% might have more implications based on what the original dosing is? Yes. Yeah, so if, if a product, especially if it's a medication that has a really narrow therapeutic index, to put that into normal terms, that means that the dose that you take for getting well, and then the dose that will make you really sick are really, you're talking about like a couple of milligrams difference. So if 10 milligrams makes you better, but 12 makes you sick, that's a narrow therapeutic window. So in that case, you've got to be really spot on with your product. So there are some products, for example, that have been generic for decades, but the main manufacturer is still the one that makes it because the process to do it and make sure that it stays within that that really tight, narrow therapeutic index is so difficult that the generic companies don't want to take it on. A great example of that are some of the thyroid hormones because they have to be really specific. So I think uh, I think Premarin might still be manufactured by the original makers of it. it. Might be generic, but I think it still might be manufactured by them. I, don't quote me on that, but there are drugs like that. Antidepressants. There's some where the generic version wasn't quite getting it done, so they had to go back to the branded one to make sure it was within that therapeutic window. So very astute, Melanie. I think if the if that if you've got a product that has a narrow therapeutic window meaning a tiny you know, miss on either side could cause problems. Yes, at that point, you're going to have much more stringent guidelines. And you should. Hi, friends. One of my favorite foods for gut health, skin, cravings, energy, and immunity is definitely bone broth. I and so many of my listeners love bone broth, but it can also be intimidating because it can be hard to find a bone broth that is all natural, organic, free of preservatives, and especially no salt added. Of course, you can always make your own, which I love, but that can be a little bit of a cumbersome process. That's why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty and the Broth. They make it so, so easy to bring bone broth into your life because they ship it in concentrated form in shelf-stable packets. It's easy to store, doesn't take up space, you don't have to worry about keeping it frozen, and then when you reconstitute it with water, you can customize it exactly to your tastes. It is incredible. Beauty and the Broth makes delicious bone broth from vegetarian-fed, free-range chicken bones and USDA organic, grass-fed, ranch-raised beef. The meat and bones come from certified humane and USDA organic farms, no antibiotics, no hormones. They also use organic vegetables and powerful herbs that are so delicious, all without any added salt or sodium. A lot of the broths on the market are also kettle or pressure cooked, which breaks down ingredient nutrients and reduces their integrity and potency. Beauty and the Broth doesn't do that. They let all of those amazing ingredients slowly simmer for up to 24 hours to create a broth that is super high in naturally occurring collagen and nutrients. Your gut will thank you, I promise. We often get questions about the best way to open your eating window. This is an incredible way to do that. Especially when you're in the fasted state, your gut is super ready to absorb these nutrients and bone broth contains the specific nutrients needed to heal your gut, help with leaky gut, support digestion, and so much more. 
And when it's cold in the winter months, what tastes better than a warm cup of bone broth? You will notice it in your nails, in your gut health, in your hair, in your improved recovery, increased energy. And did I mention it's so convenient and so easy to use? They've also got a vegan mushroom broth, which is super rich in umami and delicious for all of you vegans out there. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash broth and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 15% off site-wide. That's melanieavalon.com slash broth with the coupon code melanieavalon for 15% off site-wide. Friends, if you've been wanting to get on the bone broth train, this is the way to do it. Definitely check it out and we'll put all this information in the show notes. There's a book I've been wanting to read, and now the title of it is is slipping my mind. I was discussing it actually with Dr. Alan Christensen. He wrote an array of books like The Thyroid Reset Diet and The Metabolism Reset Diet, but he works a lot with the thyroid. And he, for example, is not a fan of compounded thyroid medication because of the potential for what you just spoke about. It's such a narrow range that it can, if it's even just off a little bit, it can have massive implications. And there's some book that came out recently that was all about this. I'll have to find it and put it in the show notes, but it was about compounding pharmacies doing the wrong amounts of things and the issues that happen with that. Yeah, a lot of the compound, so compound pharmacies are a great thing to have because there's certain people that need very special designs of medications or kids that can't swallow pills. And, and so compound pharmacies serve a really important niche in in the healthcare space where they've gotten into trouble is where exactly what you've said they're they're not spending enough time being precise with the exact dose on medicines that it really makes a difference in and to the listener so i'm sure most know what a compound pharmacy is but in case you don't a compound pharmacy is a pharmacy that will take a medication that's in a pill form or a gel form and they'll blend it into a liquid for a child, for example, or they'll take two or three other medications and they'll blend them together to get to the right progesterone or estrogen ratio. Let's say they were working on a hormone product, for example. So that's what they do. And they serve that great purpose. But yes, you're right, Melanie, where they've gotten into trouble is where they've got these products that are narrow, narrow therapeutic windows and they're kind of over or under prescribing the or adding that that active ingredient and the other places sometimes there was one big case in like the early 2000s i want to say where there was a tremendous amount of cross contamination with like bacteria and viruses and things that were getting into the i think it might have been even e coli that was getting into this one particular product actually that brings everything together full circle because the other use of compounding pharmacies could be included in what you just said but it might be a little bit different which is Sometimes they will, rather than get the generic form and, you know, crush it up or dose it differently, they'll get just the source ingredient and then you can actually choose your own fillers. This is why everything sort of comes together. So for example, I get things compounded often because I'm on thyroid medication. So I do actually use a compounding pharmacy, but they get just the pure thyroid hormone, and then I choose the filler. So I usually compound them with ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C, which brings us back to this filler thing. It does. That's a full circle. So the fillers, I've been very specific about them for a while. So what are they? So there's two two things that people sometimes get confused. There are anti-caking agents, and then there are fillers. And they're used for two very different purposes. So the most common thing you're going to see on your labels 
is going to be magnesium stearate or calcium palmitate or silicon dioxide, and that will be on the other ingredients list. You also see microcellulose from time to time, steric acid, hypermellose, things like that. But the big ones are the sterate, the palmitate, and dioxy, silicon dioxide rather. And those are anti-caking agents. And so why do you need an anti-caking agent? Well, when you're making these products in massive quantities, they're going through these machines, and then you have to get into this tiny little capsule at a very high rate of speed. But a lot of these supplements are sticky and they attract water. Well, as soon as the water, you know, let's say the machine is cold and you put warm powder in there and you condensation, all of a sudden the the moisture from the air starts to, the, the product starts to cake up. And then if you're adding another product that maybe is a little bit sticky, the product really starts to cake up. So they use these anti-caking agents, which are things like magnesium stearate and calcium palmitate and so forth, so that the product just flows through the machine quickly and easily into the capsule without jamming up the machines. So they can make 20 million capsules at the price that it would cost to make 20,000 capsules if you're doing it smaller. So that's why those anti-caking agents are used and they're kind of the mainstay of the industry. In terms of their health benefit or health, you know, health effects, there, like, I'll give you magnesium stearate is actually in foods that you eat. So you're going to see magnesium stearate and other stearates in things like beef and milk and eggs. It is a natural steric acid. I believe it's a long chain fatty saturated fatty acid. But again, it's a flow or anti-caking agent. So its main deal is just keep it keep a barrier so that that powder gets in there and the consistency of the medication is precise. So that's what it's doing. In terms of what it could be doing negative, there are people that feel like it could have a laxative effect on, on, on you. It can, for folks that do have delicate bowel situations, which I, I know is something that you talk about quite a bit, it can irritate the mucus lining of your bowels and, and trigger some issues in your bowels that aren't necessarily going to be positive. There are some studies, however, they haven't really panned out that there could be a minor, in large doses, mind you, not, not like one pill, in large doses, there could be some mild impact on your immune system if you're taking them in you know, significant amounts. And then there's a little bit uh, of a concern from people that think that pesticides might be in that steroid because a lot of the steroid comes from seed oils and seed oils are particularly of concern especially some of the mo genetically modified ones that are designed to be sprayed with various insecticides and pesticides. So in terms of what the FDA says, magnesium stearate is grass, which is generally recognized as safe, as is all the other anti-caking agents. And if you're taking one or two supplements a day, I wouldn't con be concerned about it at all. Even three or four supplements a day, wouldn't be concerned about it at all. But when you start taking 10, 11 supplements a day, like many of us biohackers do, you know, that's where you start to think, maybe I'd like to dial down my magnesium steroid. And I know that was a, a particular point when we were creating your serapeptase, you were adamant that you did not want any serapeptase in your, or serapeptase, you don't want any magnesium steroid, palmitates, anything that sort of was on that spectrum of potentially bad, you didn't want that in there. And I'll pause there to get your your either follow-up question or thoughts on that. I look at so many 
supplement brands. Like I'm always looking at different supplements because it's been a huge part of my life for so long with my focus on health and wellness and biohacking and all the things. And and maybe I err on the side of being overcautious. I thought what you just gave was a very nuanced and excellent answer to the question, you know, because you're not saying like, it's going to kill you, it's bad automatically, nor that it's, you know, completely fine. It seems like context is really important. Dosage and context. Yeah, exactly. Although interestingly, I was just thinking because there's, again, I'm going to like reference a book that I don't remember. Although I did remember the other book, the compounding book was called Kill Shot. It came out in February of 2021. The tagline says the untold story of the worst contaminated drug crisis in US history. That's the one I was talking about where they... Oh, really? Yeah. What year was that? 2000, early 2000s? I'm not sure. Probably. What year was that? That it came out or that what it's about? When the contamination happened. I was thinking early 2000s. It was the New England Compounding Center. They don't say the date. And that's that's really what got them on the that got compounding pharmacies on the radar in a negative way. Was that that was a landmark kind of case. They don't say the the date and the brief description, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But speaking of, there was another book, or I don't know if it was a book or just a person <laughs> in the sphere, but he was advocating the idea that potential toxicity of the buildup of these fillers and things in our supplements and our body, which again, it's, it's hard to know to what extent these things are actually having certain effects. But I guess just for me, I just would love to err on the side of, you know, if I can take it all out <laughs> to the extent that I can, that would be amazing. And so I just, okay, friends, listeners. So when I, <laughs> when I met Scott, this is going to answer this topic, this question that we're talking about. We decided to create serapeptase for the first supplement, and maybe we can circle back to why we, we made that decision. But in the initial formulation process, I was so intense, and Scott had to look up so many things for me. I was like, he's going to leave. He's going to give up on me. It was close, Melanie. It was borderline for a while there. <laughs> I felt so bad because... I would basically like veto everything. And then he would go and do all this research and he would like come to me really excited with an ingredient we could possibly use. And I'd be like, nope, <laughs> we can't use that either because of blah, blah, blah. Like um, he found a organic rice related supplement. And then I was like, no, because people with autoimmune issues might, <laughs> might struggle. I was so excited about that one because you would say, I, I, I don't want any magnesium stearate. I don't want any. I'm like, all right, I still need some sort of flow agent. And so I found this flow agent that was made from rice husks. And I was like, oh, perfect. Organic rice husks. This is perfect. She's going to love it. And then you're like, yeah, no, I don't do rice. And I was like, that was the one that broke me. I was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> you also came to me with acacia. And you were so excited. You were like, this has been shown to help people's bowel movements. Like, it has benefits. And I was like, no, we can't do acacia. It's a no for people who have, like, I think people who react to FODMAPs. Yes, which I which I learned about that day, I remember. I will say thank you for sticking with me because I know that was really rough. Um, <laughs> but then, but then I'll let you tell the story, what we came to. The reason that I stuck with you was was because I had the same vision of like what what's the cleanest possible product that we can we can create, not just the first product, but for the entire line. So you and I have discussed that you know MD Logic is beginning to to look at all our all of our products and figure out where can we get rid of 
the steroids and the palmitates and and what will we use to uh, to replace them and it's not as easy as just swapping out like what we did for for each product we're making with you melanie as you know and as we'll tell the audience it's not like we can just come up with a system that works for every product because each ingredient has its own level of stickiness enzymes happen to be particularly sticky like so serapeptase is particularly sort of prone to caking up and so that one took a lot of, you know, how are we going to make this with just uh, medium chain triglycerides, which was a huge, huge success. The fact that we could make a high potency serapeptase in MCTs, which our research, as you and I were discussing it, not only could act as the flow agent, but also might enhance its absorption as what we saw in the literature said that the serapeptase is likely helped by fatty acids and medium chain triglycerides in terms of the absorption through the intestine. So it was like a double win. You're getting this pure MCT with no other fillers, just the uh, the capsule and the serapeptase in the flow agent of MCTs, and then that MCT also helps the absorption. So it was such a huge win, but it was it was a challenge to get to that to that point. But the reason I was so hell bent on figuring out how we're going to do this is I just knew that if we can do it for this product, we can do it for others. And that's where the, the long-term vision of MD Logic, and that's the long-term vision for Avalonics. To your point, let's have the cleanest possible product. Maybe the magnesium steroid, it's not that bad. But if you're taking, again, 10, 20 capsules a day, and you can eliminate it, why not? So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Because, I mean, I just see what you told me, you know, going back and forth and bringing me these things. And even with the MCTs, like it was a up and down situation. Like we thought it would maybe work, but then it was like a no, but then it was a yes, but then it was a no. I was so, uh, it was like riding on the edge of my seat, wondering what was going to happen. And I just can't even imagine all the phone calls and things that you had to do to make that happen. So, so thank you so, so much. The thing I love about the MCTs is and to clarify for people, because this is the intermittent fasting podcast, listeners are concerned about the the clean fast and things like that. And actually, I have a lot of listener questions about that. But so from my perspective, the MCTs, well, first of all, it's a tiny, tiny amount in these supplements. It's not like you're taking a tablespoon of MCT oil. No, Mike, much smaller than that. It's like tiny. But even in that amount, I personally don't see any way that it would break your fast. If anything, I think it would actually enhance your fast. And then on top of that, it really helps with, you know, the absorption and things like that, like we said. And actually, after interviewing Dr. Stephen Gundry on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast for his newest book, which was Unlocking the Keto Code, he really got me thinking, maybe I should be supplementing like a tiny bit of MCTs in my diet every day. And so maybe this can contribute to that a little bit through the supplements. That product is soon to be coming. Oh, well, teaser, teaser, teaser. So actually another question though, because this actually relates to all of this, because with serapeptase specifically, and we should probably define what that is, but before we do, I'll just ask this question. A lot of people historically have experienced GI effects with serapeptase. For example, Maris said, why do some people experience GI distress with serapeptase? And actually before we created our Avalonic serapeptase, I thought it was from the enzyme itself. Like I thought it was something in serapeptase that was upsetting people's guts. That might be the case, but I actually now, after everything we went through and ended up creating our formulation and myself, 
So many of my audience reporting back that they experience no GI distress with serapeptase. And I can say personally, because I've been taking serapeptase for years, and I always experienced a little bit of discomfort with it. And with my Avalon X, none, gone. Like it's completely gone. So I think it might've been actually from the enteric coatings that are often used in serapeptase. That's a good point. We should probably talk briefly about that maybe. Yes, I think so. Especially because I think there's a lot of confusion out there about enteric coatings, about versus acid-resistant capsules like we use. What is the purpose of enteric coatings and acid-resistant capsules? So an enteric coating, whether it's on the on the product itself in the beads, where they make those little enteric-coated time-release beads, or if it's an enteric-coated capsule. Yes, wait, can I pause you really quickly? Now I'm getting a flashback. That was the thing, because when we first had our phone call, I was saying that the enteric coatings was what we bonded over, but it was this discussion when I was asking you about the enteric-coated beads versus the enteric-coated capsules, and we spent... I mean, you were so excited because, because I don't think anybody had probably asked you that before. And it was something you had thought about. So yeah, uh, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, I was very excited because I'm like, oh, I studied this. I, I had this answer. Yes. So um, I was excited to, to be able to discuss it. And you were equally as excited to talk about it. And so I remember distinctly, we were having a conversation about, you said, well, well shouldn't, it, shouldn't it be enteric coated because it has to get through the acid of the stomach? And I said, it absolutely has to make it through the stomach. It's acid libel, meaning it gets destroyed in acid. So yes, we've got to make it get through through the, the stomach intact. But I don't think enteric coating is the best way to go for a couple of reasons. The first is it's either a chemical coating on the capsule itself. And that chemical coating is usually some sort of plasticized chemical. It's a, it's a basically, it's like a plastic. And so these enteric coated capsules they don't necessarily tell you the ingredients in that enteric coating either. So it might say enteric coated beads or enteric coated capsule, but it doesn't always tell you what that enteric coating is made of. And so when the enteric coating came up, I said, well, if you do the enteric coated beads or capsules, you're going to be putting a, another, a, a different chemical on and or a chemical slash plastic that's going to act as sort of a protectant before it gets into the stomach. The other thing with enteric coated beads especially is, you know, some of those beads break up before others. Some don't make it through intact. And so it just to me wasn't the right way to go for your brand because you wanted it so clean. And once we had that discussion, I think memory serves, you were like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on board with that. And so the difference between your capsule and most of the quote unquote enteric coated capsules is it's a very, very robust, delayed release capsule that is designed to not degrade in acid, but designed to degrade much faster in a pH of seven or above. So I took four brands plus yours, and I have a video that I'll send out to you at some point in time, and put them in vinegar, which is about a three pH or so. And the Avalonix brand was literally still intact three hours later. However, you put that in water and it dissolves in 10, 10 minutes. So I think that also might have something to do with the fact that you're not getting an upset stomach because you're, you're not having to digest plastics or other enteric-coated chemicals that are on these enteric-coated products that could have an impact on your GI system for sure. The product that your, the, your, pro, your, the, your serapeptase uses, the capsule, is a vegetable 
delayed capsule release. So it's vegan. There's no chemicals, nothing else on it. It's just designed to be acid resistant through its thickness and its osmotic layer. And that's it. And so you're getting a pure delayed capsule versus a enteric released capsule or beads. Yeah. And I was so thrilled when you took those videos and did those experiments at home, because I mean, that really shows the effectiveness. Like you can see that our Avalonix serapeptase is not breaking down in the acidic conditions compared to how some of the other brands were, and then does break down in the alkaline environment that you need it to release into the intestine. And actually, since we're talking about it, that would answer Tracy's question was serapeptase. She wants to know, will coffee affect it? And other people have been asking me that as well. Now people can understand why coffee is okay to have with it because coffee is slightly acidic itself. And then I actually asked you this, Scott, and you were saying that coffee on top of once it gets mixed with your stomach acid, that environment will still be acidic enough that it's not going to break down the capsule. I take my serapeptase every morning with, with my coffee. So that's the first thing I do is I have my coffee, put a pinch of salt in my coffee to, for a couple of reasons. It helps with the bitterness and it also keeps you a little hydrated. And then I take my serapeptase, no problem. And the, and you're right. I mean, once you've drank that coffee, it's hitting your stomach and that's that's a pH of two or three. It's not It's not going to be anywhere near alkaline enough to dissolve that capsule. And then actually, we have a, another good question from Bridget. She says, I just received your serapeptase. I'm wondering when to take it. Will it break my clean fast? And are there any contraindications with other supplements? We've answered a bit of this, but we can um, recap. And also for listeners, they can actually go to avalonx.us slash FAQ. And we have a lot of questions there. But so to briefly answer your questions, Bridget, well, will it break my clean fast? I was talking about that earlier, that it's fine for your clean fast. And then when to take it, it is super important to take it on an empty stomach for the reasons discussed. And because if you take it with food, and maybe this is the time where we can actually talk about what it is, then there's a the potential that it will break down because it's a proteolytic enzyme that breaks down things that will actually attach to your food and break down your food rather than getting into your bloodstream where it then breaks down problematic proteins in your body. So to define serapeptase, and this actually goes back to Scott and I's first conversation because you hadn't heard of serapeptase, right? No, I got to say, we both caught each other with a something that neither of us had heard of. You had mentioned serapeptase. I was talking about uh, galantamine. And I said, I've, I've ne- I can't believe it, but I've never heard of serapeptase. And then uh, you started telling me about it. And I said, I think there's something here. Even now, I'm actually still shocked that you hadn't heard of it. But yeah, it's, it's just funny because it's a very niche <laughs> supplement, but... Our audience on this show, they're so familiar with it because I'm very well experienced and versed in supplements and I experiment with a lot of different ones. And we can talk about that a little bit later about what you should or should not be taking. But my co-host Jen at the time, she doesn't take a lot of supplements, but there was one supplement she was currently taking when she and I first met and it was serapeptase. And so it sort of created this whole serapeptase fan club. Yeah. So I was really passionate about it for so long. And what it is, is it's an enzyme originally created by the Japanese silkworm and it is now cultured in a lab. So yes, it is vegan. That's a big misconception. But when you take it in the fasted state, it actually goes into your bloodstream and then it can break down problematic 
proteins in your body. So it can really help potentially alleviate conditions where your body is reacting to these protein buildups. So the reason I started taking it, for example, was for my allergies. It will clear your sinuses like none other. It's amazing for me for that. And a lot of listeners have experienced that as well. And then people may experience reduced brain fog. And since then, I've gone and dived deep, deep, deep into the clinical literature about all the studies on it. And there's been studies showing how it may reduce inflammation and even potentially break down amyloid plaque and reduce cholesterol and enhance wound healing and so many things. It's really just a a wonder supplement in that it can really enhance so many beneficial processes in your body. That was the reason I wanted to create it as the, the foundational beginning enzyme. Do you have any thoughts about that or should I? Well, that's why I was so in favor of it because you, you know one of the things, one of the key success factors is that the person you know, selling the product has to have a knowledge of it and a passion for it. And then their audience needs to have, be, you know, have some education about what it is. And based on what you told me, you know, been, been on the intermittent fasting podcast for many years, it, it be, kind of became a, a cult little, you know, enzyme amongst the, you know, the, the audience that, that you and Jin talked to. And I think that's, uh, that was part of the reason I wanted to do it with you you had such a conviction and passion for it. And after having done the research that you had sent, you know, over to me that you had, and then doing my own research, I thought this is, this is some kind of product. So I had actually ended up buying a few bottles of other brands to kind of test them out. And there were a couple I tested out that I was like, I could, you know, I could feel after three or four capsules, my, you know, my nasal passages clearing out, allergies getting better. And then I dug into the research on the amyloid plaques. And I thought, wow, there's really something here. Yeah. So I, I thought it was the perfect first supplement to start. It, it turned out to be true. I mean, your, your audience, thank you all. You guys have made it just such a tremendous success. It's, it's really remarkable. I just want to circle back to, to the question of when to take it and about the fast. And I think you said this, Melanie, but actually first thing in the morning is probably the best time to take it while you're still in your fasting state because of the way that it works through the proteolytic enzyme and breaking down problematic proteins. It's going to do that better when your body is already in an autophagy state anyway, and you're kind of almost assisting your body, giving it that extra little boost during that time. I will also take it in the evening if I haven't had anything to eat for two or three hours. I'll take one before bed, and I find that that helps me kind of wake up a little with a little bit more pep in my step. I'm glad you said that because we had a question from Teresa, and she said, do you get benefits from taking serpeptase more than once a day? as in taking two at first wake up, then taking more, say four hours later while still fasted. That's actually a different situation than before bed, like you were saying. But so yes, you can take it multiple times. And presumably, if you're getting more into your system, there's more enzyme to be doing. It's magic. Yeah, I think I think anything that you take multiple times is always gonna, going to be better than one time. And that's just if you look at the way your body metabolizes things and the half-life of certain things, you're going to get a better outcome if you if it's in your system for a little bit of a longer period of time. So take one in the morning or two in the morning and, you know, one, one, four hours later, you're going to spread sort of the power of it over a longer period of time. For me, the reason I take one in the evening is doing the, you know, the research, although, you know, it's mostly in animals. But when you look at the research that it has on sort of breaking down various clots in the blood and various issues in the brain, I thought, you know, it, 
your brain kind of does the, it's this rinse at night when you're sleeping, you know, the cerebral fluid goes in your brain, it kind of, for lack of a better word, like sort of dishwashes your brain, cleanses it out. So that's why I sort of take in my uh, serpeptase in the evening with my magnesium. And now I'm so glad we're talking about this because this actually ties into a much broader topic that we got a lot of questions about. There's actually two big questions here. One we definitely need to get to, which is how to know what to actually take. So I think we can circle back to that. But first, since we're talking about the timing, we got a lot of questions about should you be taking supplements regularly or should you be switching things up? So I'm just going to read some of these and then maybe we can just kind of address all of it in a general answer. So for example, Kimmy says that she has quite a few supplements that she likes to take and she wanted to know if it could or would be beneficial to take a few supplements one day and then on the next day take different supplements and, and sort of alternate on different days. I think it, the reason she's asking this is because Terry, for example, said, should supplements be rotated so that the body doesn't rely on them? And then Tina wanted to know, how do you know what to take long-term versus short-term? Oh, and then also Teresa wanted to know, how frequently should we test changing doses or skipping doses and what might be a sign that a supplement is no longer working? So I think there's a lot of questions out there about should you take supplements every day? Do they need to be rotated? Do you build up a tolerance? And I, I think the answer is very long and nuanced and it depends on what you're taking and why. And I have a lot of thoughts, but Scott, what are your thoughts about this? So as an avid taker of supplements, both personally and then as a, you know, part of my profession, I understand where this question is coming from because I, I've, I've had this discussion many times. And as a bodybuilder, one of the things you do is you you switch up your exercises so your muscles don't get used to that same exercise and you continue to get growth, right? So it makes a lot of sort of intuitive sense to ask that question. The first thing I'll say though is this is a question you definitely want to work with a health coach on or a physician, someone qualified to work with you. And if you can get some testing done, I think a lot of, a, a lot of folks want to take supplements and kind of just let their body tell them if it's working. And that's going to work if you're in tune with your body, that's going to work more often than not. But I think you want to know where you're at from a testing perspective. And so, you know, Melanie, we're working with a company right now, as you are aware, that does some great blood work that looks for various, I think it's almost 50 different biomarkers in your blood to determine, you know, what nutrients you need. They can combine that with a DNA test. That we're also, we also have a DNA company working with, and you can combine those two things to kind of look at what's going on. And then you can track that over time to see how it's going. So there are ways to track what's happening in your body and what's going on both physiologically, meaning how you feel, and then what's happening from a blood chemistry level. And I think those are important things to do. Now, they're expensive, so I don't do them very often. Well, I don't know what company... <laughs> You're speaking about specifically, Scott, for listeners, I will provide a resource to a very similar company, which is Inside Tracker, and they've actually sponsored quite a few episodes on this show. They do provide blood work testing. And I'm glad you were talking about that because I think it, it goes into a, a broader question, which I think we need to answer in order to answer the when to take and if you should rotate and all of that stuff, which is Sharon's question of how do we know which supplements to take to benefit us? And that's exactly why I wanted to start there, right? Because if you don't know what's going on, right? So if you're using Inside Tracker, they're they're going to let you take a blood test pretty much anywhere. I think Quest Diagnostic is who they're 
mostly connected with. They'll even send someone to your home to take the blood for you. So that's pretty easy. But that's your starting point because if you have no idea where your blood levels of magnesium and iron and copper and manganese, if you don't know where they are and you just start randomly popping nutrients, you could be offsetting the balance. One of the things that that I've learned in this industry is that everything has a trade-off. You take too much vitamin A, you can bump down your vitamin D. Too much vitamin D, you bump down your vitamin A. Too much copper, you're messing with your iron. Too much iron, you're messing with your copper. So every everything you take is going to have an impact on other nutrients. And so you want to have them in balance. And so the first thing to do, I think, is to test. Once you've got that baseline test, you can decide what you're going to focus on and optimize and then retest later and see what's going on. That's, I think, pretty important to do because listening to your body is only going to get you so far. And if you're taking things you don't need, you could be shifting the balance, the delicate balance of minerals in your body in the wrong direction. So I'll leave that at that. These are examples of nutritional supplements. So, you know, vitamin D, iron, things like that. But I I think it's important to step back and there's like big categories of supplements with different goals. And I think that kind of informs what testing is needed and how you might be taking it and if it would need to be rotated. So you know, things like the nutritional supplements that you just talked about, that is something where, you know, you're taking it for a nutritional purpose. It's something that probably, depending on what it is, can be tested so you can actually see where your levels are. And then that would inform the frequency or the dosage that you're actually taking of that supplement. So it would be a goal that would be related to what your blood level is showing. And it's not necessarily, I would love to hear your thoughts and if you have different thoughts about any of this, Scott, but it's not really something I don't think where you're going to like build a tolerance because you're filling in a nutritional gap. So it would have been anyways, an external nutrient (laughs) that the body would need. And for whatever reason, you're not able to get it via your diet or you need it in a, a different, more concentrated dose. So it's not something where I'm as concerned about the tolerance effect. It's more about just what is the amount that you need and what are you getting? That would be one category. Yeah. So I, first, let me start with, I completely agree with what What are your objectives in taking the supplements? Are they for beauty? Are they for brawn and muscle? Are they for your brain health? Are they for emotional health? Are they for hormonal health? So I think the objective of, of why you're taking it and what you're trying to accomplish is just as important as the testing, right? You've got to know like what is... What is the objective I'm trying to achieve? If I'm just trying to optimize my nutrition or am I trying to optimize my nutrition for a specific outcome? That's, th- those, that's important. So once you know those two things, you know, you know your DNA says, oh, you've got a problem you know, converting folic acid into usable folate. And then you go get tested and sure enough, your folate levels are really low. So now you know that folate is probably something I'm going to need to take. Now, at what point do you want to quote unquote rotate it out? Well, you may never want to rotate out folate because you've been tested. You know that your DNA doesn't process folic acid right. So that might be a vitamin that you kind of just sort of keep ongoing. Another one, for example, is going to be magnesium. I'm never going to not take my magnesium because I know I'm not getting it in my diet. And I know it's crucial to so many different enzymatic processes in my body. It's crucial for athletic performance. It's crucial for ATP performance. It's crucial for bone manufacturing. And I know there's no way in heck I'm getting enough magnesium. So things like that, I'm not going to necessarily rotate out. 
Things that I do rotate out, for example, are things that are more hormonally based or like maybe a vitamin D. Like vitamin D3, I take in the wintertime, but I don't necessarily take in the summer because I'm, I try to get out in the sun and get natural vitamin D. However, I was once surprised to see that I was doing that tactic, went and got my blood tested, and my vitamin D was 32. Now, 32 is actually, you know, quote unquote, normal. But for me, I like to be around 50. So 32 was surprisingly low considering how much I was in the sun, or at least how much I felt like I was in the sun and how much vitamin D I was taking. The other things I'll rotate, I rotate DHEA. I don't want to take DHEA all the time. I take that from time to time, give my body a little extra boost in the hormone arena. And then there's a product we make called Estro Detox, and that's for both men and women. I think men see that and they think it's a drug just for women. But there are so many plastics in our diet that act as estradiol or estrogen mimickers, or what do they call them also, obesogens. And, and on top of that, there's a lot of sort of conversion from testosterone, or there can be, to various forms of estrogen. So I will do like a two-week, I'll call it a cycle, two weeks of estro detox, three capsules a day, and then I'll go like three months and I won't take that. And then I'll retake it again and kind of cleanse my body out of all that extra estrogen and, and plastics. So there are things I do rotate, but in general, rotation, to your point, is not something you need to do for, for kind of building up a tolerance to it. I think it's really more about, do you really need it? And if you don't need it, why are you going to take it? So for example, like with the vitamin D, I think vitamin D is so, so important for immunity and so many things. That's something where it's been so helpful to have Inside Tracker. And for listeners, because it can be pricey, we do have a discount code. So if you go to insidetracker.com slash Melanie and use the coupon code Melanie20, you can actually get 20% off site-wide. So that's super helpful. But I just pulled up, for example, my Inside Tracker app, and I can see my vitamin D levels since 2019 on this really cool chart. And you can, I can actually see every test, what it was at. And so like when I started, I was pretty low. Like I started at 36, I dropped to 27, down to the lowest, I think was 24. So kind of similar to you, Scott. And then I really got on top of it and I sort of went overboard. So I started doing like one to three minute sessions in a UVB tanning booth and supplementing vitamin D. And I actually shot it up to 126. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a big bump. <laughs> it was a slow. So like it went to 38 and then to 45. And then the next time I tested, it was 126 in the red. And I was like, oh, we need to backtrack a little bit. So um, <laughs> so I've actually been pretty good. The last four tests have been between in the 80s which is the upper high range for inside trackers range. Yeah. So that's something super helpful. And then I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that about magnesium because that's a perfect example because in my dream world, we get all of our nutrients from food. Like that's just the way it would be. But unfortunately that's can be really hard to do with today's modern diet and farming practices and nutrient depleted soils. And so magnesium is one, for example, that is involved in so many processes in the body. Our soils are so magnesium depleted that it can be really, really hard to get enough. And most people are magnesium deficient. So that's why we've been so excited to be working on our next supplement, which is magnesium. So I, I will, um, cause we got, I got so many questions when I asked for questions. So like Joe Beth, when is your magnesium available? Susan, I'm wondering the same thing. I need to reorder my magnesium before too long. 
Carly, is your magnesium available yet? Tony, when will your magnesium be available? So friends, it is coming soon. And I did get questions about, because we've been partnering on this show historically with Bioptimizers, which that's a really good example of me being really concerned for brands before I had my own and still the importance of finding brands that you really, really trust. And I know the founders of Bioptimizers, I've had them on the show multiple times. So I felt really, really comfortable partnering with them. And I know so many people have benefited from their supplements. So it's really been a wonderful thing because I got this question from Lizzie, for example, she says, you used to advertise a magnesium. Do you still recommend it? This is an example where when I create with Scott and MD Logic, the Avalon X brand, basically my goal is to look at the supplements that I'm currently taking. So I was taking magnesium breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Find what's there, find what's working. And if I can at all improve on it in any way, do that. <laughs> um, so yes, I still recommend Bioptimizers and the Avalonics magnesium that we are creating that I am so excited about. We're basically just going a step above with some things that I really wanted to fine tune. So really making sure there are no extra fillers that are in there. So there'll be less fillers than there are in Bioptimizers. We wanted to add in, Scott was talking about the role of people having issues processing certain like B vitamins, for example, and that can be a genetic thing. So we wanted to put in cofactors for magnesium that takes that into account. So we're using activated forms of B6 and manganese, which are cofactors in magnesium absorption, and then putting it in a glass bottle because something that's really, really important to me is the health of not only our bodies, but the planet. And I'm just really concerned with plastics and our environment and our bodies and the planet. So, so yes, your bioptimizer is magnesium. I'm not reneging on everything I've said about that. I'm grateful to them for creating such an amazing product. And I'm, I'm really excited to create my own manifestation of a magnesium and the best way that I see possible. That was long. Do you have thoughts about that, Scott? I'll condense that into this one sentence, which you you basically did the same thing with serapeptase that you did with magnesium. And we, we worked with you to do that. So how do we make this magnesium that's really good, take it to a, an insanely perfect level? And that's what we did. I think people, if you, if you like bioptimizers, you're, you're going to love Avalonics. And if you want us to keep your bioptimizers, you you can certainly do that. But I promise you this is gonna this is gonna be a tremendous magnesium. And I think some of the surprises you're gonna announce that are gonna go along with that Melanie will will just make it all the better. So I won't I won't spoil that for you. I know I'm so excited about everything in the future. But going back to those different pillars of foundational supplements, so the nutritional ones, something like serapeptase though, you know, that's not a nutrition, that's an enzyme. So that's taking a supplement where it has a it's more it's like a verb, you know? Like <laughs> the other supplements are like nouns. The serapeptase is like a verb because it's it's doing something in your body. So that's something where you don't have to really worry about tolerance or something like that because it's doing an action that you are supporting your body with. I think the issue with tolerance and things like that comes in with supplements that are more like stimulant related. So, you know, caffeine, coffee, things like that, or nootropics where you might be playing around with neurotransmitters where there could be the potential for some sort of downregulation of your, your brain's, you know, neurotransmitter system. That's where I think you might need to take into account rotating on and off 
thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. I think the, the area that I brought up where I rotate things on and off are the horm- or hormone products or, or detox products. I don't want to be on a detox product long-term. Like alpha lipoic acid is great, but if you're on alpha lipoic acid all the time, you're kind of in a chronic state of detox and you might just be pushing a lot of things to float through your blood if you're not using a binder with it. So there are things that are sort of designed for like a specific purpose and a specific time frame. And then there are things like magnesium and serpeptase that have specific reasons you're taking them that don't have any sort of buildup effect that you should take. A detoxifying agent like a colon cleanse, you're not going to take that on a regular basis, right? Or some raphalipoic acid that's always detoxifying you. You could become anemic because you, you pull out too much of your iron or copper or zinc, for example. And then the hormones, I rotate because if you overdo hormones like DHEA or estrodetox, those can start having some odd effects that you, that, that you don't want to have either. So those are the only ones I rotate really if it's got a specific purpose. You know, it's a it's an essential nutrient that I know I'm not getting in my diet. I don't rotate that out. I don't, and I don't see necessarily a, a rationale or reason to do so. But in the examples you and I both gave, I think it makes perfect sense to rotate them out or or pause them for a while. One more topic. It relates to all of this, but we got a lot of questions about taking into consideration the fasting and the eating window. So Terry wants to know best supplements to take on a fast versus an eating window. Amy said, best timing of supplements should it be while fasting with food. If it's with food, is it before or after and how much? Uh, if it's with fasting, how long from the start of the fast to how long before breaking the fast? Aaron wanted to know when to take supplements. This might be in relation to serapeptase fasted or not. Jocelyn, when best to take if you only have a five-hour eating window? So my thoughts on that is that if it's a type of supplement where it is nutritional based, a lot of them can be taken in your eating window with food. I try to put everything that I can in the eating window into the eating window because why not err on the side of keeping the fast as clean as possible. I take probiotics in the eating window. I know a lot of people take those fasted, but I take them in the eating window. I really take most things in the eating window unless it specifically needs to be fasted. So that would be serapeptase, which I think really enhances the fast. Something like, I'm trying to think, what what do I take? Oh, I take berberine fasted as well as you can also take that before food. But yeah, Scott, do you have thoughts on fasting versus eating? Yes. So so I take most of my water-soluble vitamins and things that are like liver supporting or detoxifying on on a fasted state. So my B vitamins I'll take on a fasted state because they're st- they're kind of stimulating anyway. So I usually take those in the morning. I will take my magnesium. Sometimes I'll take like one in the morning along with maybe uh, some zinc, although that's not an optimal uh, optimal way to do that because zinc can be a little upsetting on the stomach. So you got to be careful. Certain liver things I'll take, milk thistle, for example, and berberine. I'll combine those and take those on a fasted state. So a lot of the water-soluble vitamins or vitamins that are specifically there to help detox or help with autophagy, I'll take those during my fasted state. Things that are there that are antioxidants that are fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2, CoQ10, all of those I'm going to take with food. 
And then if I'm taking something like uh, Immunologic, which has a lot of different you know, nutrients in there, I'll take that with food. And obviously my digestive enzyme, I'm going to take with food as well. So I'd say if it's a water-soluble vitamin that is going to be working alongside the fasting, kind of supporting the fasting or supporting detoxification, I'll take those on the fasted state, usually in the morning or late morning or early afternoon. And then I'll take all of my fat-soluble vitamins and other types of nutrients, typically with my first meal of the day. And then with dinner, I'll, I'll take a, a few extra things like krill oil and phosphatidylserine. And then I'll do uh, two more magnesiums before bed. I'm glad you mentioned the digestive enzymes because that's definitely something where, like, for example, I take HCL and digestive enzymes with my meals every night and I probably will be for life. And that really helps me radically and helps me absorb my food, helps with any potential GI issues. Like I just feel like a better person taking them. And I'm not, I know people will say, oh, but maybe you're downregulating your natural production of enzymes, but I've looked into it and I, I think it's debated a little bit. And I just know that I personally experienced so much benefit that I have no problem taking it every night. I don't think there's I don't think there's any sufficient evidence to show that it downregulates your your own acid production, but there is evidence to suggest that heartburn medicines will upregulate your acid production. So like proton pump inhibitors, they have a a history of studies that show that they have a conglomeration of various side effects. There's a raise in all-cause mortality. There's a raise in fractures. There's a raise in, I think even maybe, don't quote me on this. I might, well, I might even say it, but there's, there's a rise in, in many disease factors of long-term use. Not short-term use, but long-term use. And I was on those suckers for 15 years. And I decided it was time to get off. So I restarted researching, like, how do you get off of, you know, these acid blockers? Because if you're taking an acid blocker, by virtue of that, you can't digest all your calcium properly. You can't digest your magnesium properly. Your body needs acid to, to break down your proteins properly, to get vitamin B12 properly, to get your minerals especially properly. So I decided I had to get off it, and I started taking the digestive enzymes this is about four or five years ago, and I had been on the. I wouldn't leave the house without my proton pump inhibitor because I it, the heartburn was so bad, and I literally was able within a month or two to get almost completely off. And within three months, I only needed those on rare occasions when I just like really overdid it, and it got to a point where even I didn't even need the digestive enzymes every single night. I only needed to take them with like large meals, like if I was eating dinner out or having a large, you know, like a holiday meal or tons of meat that was kind of, or tons of fat and meat. It's the only time I really need them now, which tells me I didn't downregulate anything. In fact, my digestive system seems to be working better than it was when I was taking the proton pump inhibitors. And ironically enough, my best friend just came to visit me. I haven't seen him in two years since COVID. And I was telling about the digestive <laughs> enzymes last thing. He goes, I always get heartburn. Let me, let me try one of those. So he, he had this massive meal, took only just one of the digestive enzymes. And this morning he woke up, he goes, dude, I have never slept so great without heartburn in my life. So he, just, he that was just his first time taking it. So there's no question digestive enzymes 
are really important. And we know as you age, your acid in your stomach begins to decline, your digestive enzymes begin to decline. So I think that's one that you probably will be taking for life. But in terms of downregulating, I personally haven't seen it. In fact, my digestive system seems better than ever. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's definitely, yeah, been my experience and what I've seen from a lot of our audience and what I've seen just from my own research. So I won't say anything in set in stone, but I'm very passionate about digestive enzymes and I'm very passionate about making things that I'm passionate about. So I'll just leave it at that, which which actually speaks to maybe something that um, we could end with, which is we got a lot of questions about other supplements. So 
Shannon wanted to know about NMN recommendations, which was something that I had previously thought we were going to be making soon, but we ran into some issues with regulations surrounding that. Christina wanted to know about algae supplements. Linda wanted to know about berberine. Nicole wanted to know about multivitamins. Carly wanted to know about collagen and fiber. So the future of both Avalonix and MD Logic with these supplements, not sure what we want to say or what you want to say, Scott. Yeah. What would you like to say about just questions about future supplements? So I'm, yeah, I'm comfortable answering, answering those. So I think, I think, I think uh, you had told me there was a question about the algae. And will we be able to offer algae at a less expensive price than something like that? So I'll read it. So Christina said, is there any way you could offer algae supplements that are less expensive than what is available now? Ah, well, the answer to that is yes. So we are working on three different USDA organic forms of algae. I'll leave it at that, but I think they're the ones that you're looking for. The packaging will, they will not be tablets. They will actually be in a powdered form. So you can, and they'll be in like a travel size. So you could take, take them on the road. You could just rip it open, pour it into your smoothie, no chewing necessary. And we're pretty excited about that. So they will be less expensive and you will get more total grams of algae per unit. So I think you'll be happy with that. Expect that sometime in July, maybe a little sooner. In terms of berberine, how could we not do a berberine? And that's going to be an Avalonix product. And that is likely not too far off from the magnesium, which don't hold us to this date, but we think we're going to launch in late May. So we're pretty confident it will be ready for shipping sometime in late May. And and we're also extremely confident you're going to love the formula for all the reasons Melanie mentioned. And in terms of collagen, that one I will definitely answer. We are literally about to launch an MD Logic Marine Collagen Sustainably Caught, Wild Caught, Sustainably Caught White Fish that is tested for all types of toxins and mold, etc. Also tested to make sure that it is, in fact, pure fish marine collagen. It is top tier marine collagen. It is highly dissolvable, so it's not going to kind of cake up. It is flavorless. But what we added to it, which is very important, there are small amounts of the collagen cofactors. So what folks may or may not know that are collagen junkies like I am, is that in order for your body to utilize the collagen that you're taking in, you have to have copper, zinc, vitamin A, C, and manganese. Those are the five. Now, there are others, but those five are absolutely essential for your body to be able to convert the collagen you intake because the collagen peptides we all drink in our coffee or our, our OJ or whatever we put it in, those collagen peptides are essentially broken down collagen, so it's broken down into its amino acids. Your body then has to reconstitute those amino acids from the collagen into functional elastic or elastin skin. And to do that, it's either got to turn into tendons or skin or cartilage or whatever it's turning that collagen you've eaten into. But every time it does that, it requires molecules of copper, zinc, manganese, 
and vitamin A. Without that, your body lit in vitamin C is the mo- actually one of the most important to create collagen. Without that, without those cofactors to create the enzymatic processes, your body literally can't reconstruct that collagen. And if it does, it can't do it in an efficient way where the collagen is meeting the needs that the body wants. So we've added those cofactors, plus we added biotin for hair, skin, and nails because collagen by itself without biotin is a great ingredient. But again, you need that biotin for your body to really grow that hair. So we've created a collagen that gives you just the right amounts and the right proportions of these cofactors all in one, minus the manganese, because manganese tastes horrible. So you've got a flavorless collagen with the biotin in it that you can put in your coffee or wherever. So we're super excited about that. MD Logic Health is going to be launching that soon. If you're looking to get it, please sign up to MD Logic Health. I'm sure Melanie can put something in the show notes, Melanie, if that's possible. So in summary, you know, collagen are not all created equal. You definitely want to have those cofactors in your collagen to get the most of it. Yes. So for listeners, I know a lot of you guys have been wanting a collagen supplement. When I say that the person you want to trust with this collagen is Scott Emmons at MD Logic, I mean, the person that you want to trust with with this collagen is Scott Emmons at, M- at MD Logic. He has been telling me about this collagen for so long and is so excited about it. And when people who have the knowledge and the science and the savviness get really excited about something, that's when you get really amazing products that you want. So I'm just so thrilled, Scott, that you are creating this and I, I can't wait for listeners to try it. So information, because I know people are probably really excited and want all of this right now. So the things that are not available, you need to get on my supplement email list because that's where I'm going to be sending the emails to let you know when these products launch. You can always, of course, be checking nblogichealth.com. But if you want to get the latest and know when it's coming and get it before it sells out, because there's always the potential with first runs that things sell out, get on my email list. That's at avalonx.us slash email list, A-V-A-L-O-N-X dot U-S slash email list. So get on that right now. And then I do have a coupon code for listeners, a discount code, and this code will work on both. Avalon X supplements, which right now we just, I just have this air peptase, but the magnesium will be coming soon. Although the launch special for magnesium will be pretty amazing. So the code will probably not work on the initial launch of any new supplement, but it will after the launch. So the air peptase, and then also you can use this code site wide at mdlogichealth.com. They have so many supplements. So definitely, definitely go check out all the supplements. And again, we, we talked about this earlier. But some of those supplements do have things like sterates and such, which, you know, may or may not be a problem for you. It's really an individual case by case basis. But in general, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Scott. Yeah. So we're working on a, on a few major projects right now. So the, the big one is taking our, you know, core product line. And I mentioned this earlier, taking our core product line and getting the sterates and the palmitates out. And I think it comes down to, you know, one of your listeners had a question about, you know, if you're taking seven different supplements of magnesium steroid, at what point does it become a problem, et cetera? I mean, the FDA says 2,500 milligrams. So you'd have to take, you know, fistfuls of vitamins, like literally fistfuls to hit that amount because there's very little in, in any of these products individually. But I also agree with you, Melanie, if you can take it out, 
why not take it out? So that's what we're trying to do. But as I alluded to before, so for example, you know, each ingredient, every time you change a formula, you need a specific anti-caking for that particular blend of formulas. So for example, with your serapeptase, we used a specific kind of MCT. With the magnesium, we're using a different or different kind of organic MCTs. And then for the berberine, we had to use a very specific, very pricey product for the anti-caking that's found in nature. So we've got these very natural, safe, you know, quote unquote, anti-caking agents. They're almost really not even anti-caking. They're really just a way to make sure the flow happens, which is why we also have to make your products in small batches, which is a good thing because then the quality control, again, is even higher on those products. So what we're doing is we're looking at each one of our products at MD Logic Health to say, how can we get the sterate and palmitate out? And what's the proper ingredient or ingredients that are more natural and that will help the product with either absorption or long lasting or what, how can it benefit besides just not being a sterate? We're looking at each one of those top five products and replace the sterates wherever possible. And that will take some time, but that's our long-term vision to be as clean as we can. And then we're, we're working on sustainable packaging in two different forms. And that probably won't happen until 2023. But when it does, we're, we're going to be very excited to, to be able to promote that. Yes. So those are all really, really exciting things. I'm personally so, so excited. But you know, even before that, like I said, the, the supplements at MD Logic Health are amazing. So definitely check out that whole catalog. And I don't know if I got to saying this, but that coupon code Melanie Avalon will not only get you 10% off at avalonx.us, but also at mdlogichealth.com. So super, super amazing. This has been so amazing. We got through a lot of stuff. We did. There's one There's one last question that I would like to answer because I'm obsessed with mitochondria and Shannon asked about the MNN and any recommendations for mitochondria and I'll bet you'll have some too. Yes. So Shannon wants to know NMN recommendations and any specific mitochondrial support, Scott. So I'm going to give you five supplements and two things to do. So supplement wise, copper between two and four milligrams a day, vitamin A. And if you listen to the copper book, I think it's called Copper Cure. It'll explain why copper is so important for your mitochondrial health and why vitamin A is so important for that. Yes. And to interject really quickly for listeners, I'm actually interviewing that author. His name is Morley Robbins. It's called Cure, spelled C-U-R-E. And the C-U is like copper. <laughs> Cure your fatigue, the root cause, and how to fix it on your own. So it's a while away, end of 2022, but I will be interviewing him on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. What were the other supplements? I would just say, do not miss that interview. It will, it will blow you away. I've been taking copper now for a couple of months and it has made a remarkable difference in my stamina. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. Next, CoQ10, krill oil, melatonin, magnesium, and then PPQ is sort of a question mark. I'm not sure, you know, just exactly how effective that one is. PQQ? I think it's PQQ. Yeah. I think, what did I say? PPQ? And then transversal is probably a good one to do. So those are some of the, the core mitochondrial support nutrients I take on a pretty regular basis. And then proven mitochondrial support is red light therapy and 
deliberate cold exposure, primarily when I say cold exposure, I mean like in a tub of very cold water, about 50 degrees. Obviously, don't do that if you have a heart condition. Talk to your physician. Take your time. Start with cold showers. Work up to it. It takes a while. But if I, I was, I was telling Melanie the other day, if I could only have one single biohack, it would be cold immersion. Yes, I think those are great recommendations. I do, I do personally love NMN. I, I currently take another brand. I hope someday I can make my own or, or an NR. Just because that whole industry, that whole world. I think there's a lot of benefit there, but it's really sketchy. Like it's really hard to figure out which brand to take. So I people ask me all the time if I recommend a brand and I don't because I, I just don't know. But for mitochondrial support, I'm a I'm a big fan of that. I like the ones you mentioned. I don't supplement with resveratrol. I, I actually just try to get it from wine. And I'm on the fence about my thoughts about supplementation with it, but I know there's like science behind it. So I can see why you think that CoQ10 is definitely a good one, but yeah, the lifestyle things I love, love, love. So Scott does his ice baths. I do my daily cryotherapy, which just makes me feel like a million bucks. I really, really recommend that. And again, red red light therapy is amazing for mitochondrial health. Even just the lifestyle things that we practice like fasting here on the intermittent fasting podcast. I think fasting can be one of the best things that you can do for your mitochondria. Fasting is a tremendous mitochondrial support which is perfect. So, well, this has been absolutely amazing. Scott, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for reaching out to me like a year ago. And I'm, I'm just so grateful and thrilled for how everything has manifested. And I'm, I'm so passionate about this journey that we're on and the future of everything that we're doing. And what's really exciting and gratifying is it's not just me and you. I mean, I see this manifest in all of the listeners and they get to try the supplements and report back. And I get testimonials and feedback daily, literally daily from people who have tried the serapeptase, for example, and just experienced amazing benefits. So I'm really excited. You're such a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure listeners got a lot out of this. I'm really excited to see what's in the future. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. It's just a pleasure working with you and your audience is tremendous. They're always giving sort of extra little tidbits of help. They're they're giving each other guidance and advice of what's working for them. They're super supportive of you and of each other. They ask really intelligent questions and it's great to see how engaged they are. And without them, you know, they've really helped us be successful. And I love working with you. And trust me, folks, when I say, When Melanie says she wants it clean, she means clean. And she goes out of her way to make sure she's looking at every single ingredient, all the way down to every ingredient within each capsule. And you guys are getting the absolute best products possible when you're buying MD Logic or Avalonics. There's no question about it. She's just done a tremendous job. And I think you're going to love the products to follow. Yay. I'm so happy. Well, again, for listeners, the show notes for today's episode, which you'll definitely want to check out. We'll put links to everything there. ifpodcast.com slash episode 265 to get on the email list, to get the updates about all of the future supplements. Definitely get on that avalonx.us slash email list to get the serapeptase supplement, which is live now. That's at avalonx.us. 
You can save 10% on that serapeptase or anything at MD Logic Health with the coupon code Melanie Avalon. And you can save, I didn't mention this yet, you can save 15% on serapeptase if you get a subscription. So that's an amazing way to get a steeper discount and also help with sustainability because you're reducing shipping because you actually get three bottles at once at that lower price every four months. So that's more sustainable for the planet as well. All of that is at avalonx.us. And there will be a full transcript and all of the notes in the show notes. So this has been absolutely wonderful. Normally I say to my co-host, I'll talk to you next week, but Scott, I talk to you pretty much every day. So I will talk to you very soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Melanie. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. Theme music by Leland Cox. See you next week.